There's a thin line between love and hate when it comes to a hundred or so peacocks roaming Longboat Key. It's like living in a barnyard. I think it's awesome. All the residents living here agree they're beautiful creatures. But these birds of a feather are not sticking together on anything else peacock. You may ask, where's the peacock bathroom? You know where the peacock bathroom is? Wherever they're standing. <laughs> so when they come on your porch, that's the bathroom. They come in your garden, that's the bathroom. They come on, wherever, they, wherever they're standing, that's the peacock bathroom. That's a large part of the problem. James Braha couldn't help point out how the peacocks fly into roofs and wail. What they sound like on the roof, it sounds like there's a, a construction worker on there walking around. Honest to God. And there's smelly droppings dotting the pavement. Landmine, landmine. I don't see any of those problems here. There just so happens to be a lot on the roof today. <laughs> they do care about the birds and don't feel it's fair to remove them. Well, hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet one animal at a time. My name is Paul, and I am not an animal expert. I am Donna, and in my time since surgery, I have become an animal expert. What? Yes! Wow! I now know everything about animals. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I want that surgery. I'm just joking. It, oh. it didn't. It didn't happen that way at all. <laughs> Today we're talking about the peacock, or actually, pea fowl, really, because yes. we will be hearing from the pea hens as well. Yules. <laughs> <laughs> but first, the news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, no peacock-related news today, but we do have a little follow-up on our Tasmanian Devil episode. And this is really good news. Tasmanian Devils are in mainland Australia for the first time in 3,000 years. I had to, like, double-check that number. Wow. 3,000 years. A group of devils was released in Barrington Tops, which is a protected national park uh, just north of Sydney. What happened was that mainland Tasmanian devils were likely outcompeted by dingoes. Mm -hmm. Those were dogs that were introduced to Australia about 3,000 years ago, and they mm -hmm. are a pest. Well, I mean, they're a native animal now, so... They are, yeah. Yeah. They're part of the ecosystem now, Let's and they have their own conservation projects, so... Oh, do they really? Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't mean, know that. Yeah, dingoes are... I mean, 3,000 years ago they were introduced. They're a native animal now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got rid of the dingoes in Barrington Tops, and then they released some Tasmanian devils. Mm-hmm. Aussie Ark, which is a wildlife nonprofit in Australia... They have been breeding and studying Tasmanian devils for more than a decade. And the goal was to reintroduce devils into the wild once conditions were sustainable for their survival. And so they released 11 Tasmanian devils on September 10th of this year, 2020. Conservation experts in Tasmania are working to isolate healthy devils from sick ones and to breed healthy populations. So 
the devils that they released did not have the devil facial tumor disease that we were talking about. They're totally healthy. It's hoped that a, a healthy Tasmanian devil population might also deter feral cats and foxes, and uh, that'll disrupt their hunting habits, and that in turn will help out all the other birds and reptiles and things that those cats and foxes eat. After a few weeks, scientists are going to recapture some of the released devils and fit them with a radio transmitter harness. The animals can't wear collars because they don't have a neck, so they have to put little little harnesses on them. Oh. <laughs> yes. They're really cute. <laughs> they kind of don't have a neck. They're like a little cute tube of, of viciousness. <laughs> <laughs> Surveys and camera traps will provide additional data on how the devils are adapting to their new home, but the real proof of their success will arrive around June of 2021, and hopefully there will be some new little devil joeys that peeping out of their mother's pouches, and that'll be Hooray! a really good indicator that the population can survive on its own. So yeah, good news. Yay! Excellent. Yeah. All right, just a reminder to go to varmints.podbean.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at, at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, suggestions, stories, whatever you want to send us. It's fine. Uh, we have a Pinterest board that is run by a Varminion that we love. And if you go over there and put varmints into the search engine and there we, you can see pictures of all the animals we talk about. We have merchandise available at Redbubble. Go over there and put varmints into the search engine. And you'll find all sorts of shower curtains and coffee cups and cell phone covers and, you know, I don't know. Curtains. <laughs> Leggings. Bath mats. Leggings. <laughs> yeah. If it's not available for you to buy and you want the shower curtain, let us know and we'll, you know, we'll list it. So. Yep. If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We are everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. So, let's go and talk about some peafowl. Hey! Hey! Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the bird we are talking about today, as Donna mentioned, is technically called a peafowl. Peafowl. A male peafowl is called a peacock. A female peacock is called a peahen. But as happens sometimes with other animals, like cows, both sexes just get called one name. and So peacocks just get called peacocks. You very rarely ever hear peafowl. Yep. Baby peacocks are called pea chicks, by the way, which is adorable. Mm -hmm. And a group of peacocks is a bevy. <laughs> there are three species of peacock. The Indian peafowl is native to India, but has been introduced by humans to every single continent. They are super adaptable to different climates, and they have even been spotted by hunters in northern Canada, which is amazing. Wow. Green peafowl are found in several parts of Southeast Asia, and the Congo peafowl is endemic to the central Congolian lowland forests of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Wow. Congo peafowl grow to about two and a half feet or just under one meter long, while Indian peafowl grow to be about four feet long or so, or about a meter and a half. All species of peafowl can weigh anywhere from nine to 13 pounds. It's a very... 
a very birdy looking bird. Um, yeah. Except for its crazy plumage, which is what they are known for, especially the right. males. Yeah. Uh, peacocks carry very, very long trains of feathers behind them that they can unfurl into a big, beautiful, iridescent display. It's really super impressive. The word peacock appeared in the English language about 700 years ago as pocock, or bird of the genus pavo, which is not a very interesting origin story, but it very quickly began to be used to describe like people who were, you know, had ostentatious displays and, and very, uh, very vain people. Proud as a right. peacock, right? Right. That phrase has been around for a very, very long time. Well, I mean, you can kind of see why, so. Oh, yeah. So we're going to dive right into making babies. How to make pea chicks. This is how you make pea chicks. Ready? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to write this down. Okay. <laughs> First, get some peacocks. Okay. And then some peahens. And then wait for mating time to arrive. Mating time is kind of like a rave, and it's called a lek. A lek? How do you spell a that? A lek. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's a L-E-K. I, saw, I was watching it on a documentary, so I don't really know for sure, but um, I'm sure you could look it up. It's, it's, uh, it's when there's sort of a nightclub atmosphere, and it's time for making pea chicks and... They all dance around and shake their tail feathers and all that kind of stuff. So the male turns his back to the female when he fans out his tail and he's like, and he shakes his booty. He's like, shake a shake a shake up, look at my booty. And then he flicks his fan out. And then he like turns around dramatically like, ta-da! And then he's like, keeps shaking his butt and walking around and stuff. And it's pretty cool because... You kind of have to remember that it's beautiful and it's all iridescent and sparkly and gorgeous and everything. Um, and But imagine how that looks to the females because birds can see more of the color spectrum than we can. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, we talked about it. You just forgot. We talked about <laughs> it when Hummingbird on our Hummingbird show. Oh, right. You did that with uh, Susie from... Oh, I did the uh, Casual Birder podcast. Right. So maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't uh, take it in when you were listening to it. Uh, yeah, they they see more of the color uh, spectrum than we do. So, so it has to look pretty psychedelic and cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, woo! It's all all ravey. They're all like, <laughs> they don't need to have like little glow sticks and stuff because, you know. They are their own glow sticks, so. Yeah. That's awesome. But so you have to remember, this is a pretty important point about evolution, because it's the males that are beautiful, and they're the ones doing the tail shaking, but it's female choosiness that drives the evolution of that tail. So it's the females deciding which of the ones of the males they want to mate with and make pea chicks uh, that determines what the qualities of that tail are that get passed on to further generations in the future. And there are studies that dive super deep into what the females actually like. <laughs> They're trying to figure out, like, what part of the tail are they looking at? Um, you know, what's the vibration of the tail that they think is cool? And stuff like that. And just they've come to some sort of, not conclusions, but just stuff that they need to follow up on. Like, they think that the females like the tail from the top part of the tail. They look at from a distance. 
And then as they get closer, they start to look uh, going down the tail and closer to the body. And then they start looking at the body and the crest and all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty interesting. And then there's one sh- one study that shows that the peahen's crest on top of her head can pick up the vibrations from the male's tail feather shake. Oh, my um, goodness. Probably from pretty far away. So, wow. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And that, that seems pretty clear. I'm going to include a link to that study in our show notes. But that it's pretty cool. They, she's just got micro feathers on the... And the very roots that sort of that sort of activate a nerve that's like there's a there's a male in the vicinity and it sounds like he's got a kind of a cool tail kind of go look you know <laughs> maybe you want to make some babies with him you don't know so <laughs> so you know there you go but uh, and it's interesting also that that uh, in the same article the doctors said that uh, that there were the scientists that were working on it said that the the males are famous for their booty shaking and the tail shaking and everything, but the females also do it. And they do it at the males, and they also do it at their young. So they're, like, trying to... They they don't know why. They think they're trying to teach them how to do the booty shake. So, um... Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So there's all sorts of stuff going on there. But, yeah. The the tail is all about making babies. Wow. Making babies. Want to make babies with me? Because I have the bestest of all tails. Check it out, ladies. <laughs> and the ladies go, mm, yes, no, yes, no. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's why the tail is there. I mean, I think we all knew that, but it's just sort of interesting to think about it a little bit in more detail. Yeah, because it's a lot. It's more involved than just, hey, look at my tail, let's make babies. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely more involved because it's the females that are choosing which tail they like the best. So That is so cool. Well, when you're basically the, the size of a chicken and you have Mark? very, very long, bright feathers, you kind of stand out as maybe something that would get eaten quite a lot out in the wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And those long feathers on their tails have a one more purpose. If a predator runs up behind them, they might just get a big old mouthful of feathers. Oh, so, that, well, that makes sense. Yeah, it's sort of a, like a little... A little defense mechanism. Another way peacocks defend themselves is they are loud, really, really loud. Oh, I have, I have the, I have the actual sound right here. Do it. (laughs) Okay, so where I live. There is a place called Everglades Wonder Gardens, and it is down the road about two miles. And I did not know until I pulled this clip that what I was hearing was a peacock. Oh, really? Yes. I had no idea what they sounded like. I just knew that it was, you know, you go out in the evening or early in the morning and you hear that sound. And I just thought it was somebody's, you know, cockatoo bird thing. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a peacock. And they're like really loud well we had them at the denver zoo until this year which i'm really upset about and i'll talk about later in the show but yeah i i I knew what they sounded like i did not and that so that was really that was really cool they're really like i don't know i think that uh i think it's kind of a neat sound but i can see it's really loud but i can i can see why people wouldn't 
want to have it outside their window every morning, you know? Oh, sure. And I can see where if you were a predator, you would not want to have anything to do with something making yeah. that noise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> they also have pretty big spurs on the backs of their legs called kicking thorns, and they are about an inch long. They're very, very, very sharp. And they're, they are like uh, spurs on a chicken. They will jump up and cut you with those thorns. Wow. While peacocks don't frequently attack people, it happens enough that the birds have been featured in a number of news stories about zoo trips gone wrong. The, the birds have pecked and scratched at children. They sent them to the hospitals. In one town that was just plagued by these birds, probably in Florida, there's been hundreds of dollars in property damage that had been caused by peacocks attacking their own reflections. <laughs> That's funny. As far as the IUCN is concerned, the Indian peafowl, they are classified as of least concern. They're doing okay. The Congo peafowl is vulnerable. They are threatened by habitat loss caused by mining, shifting cultivation, and logging. So shifting cultivation is when you just farm the heck out of a piece of land and you just basically kill the soil and then you move on and you farm the heck out of another piece of land. Yeah. It's really You're not bad. improving your soil or or anything. It's just you just ruin it and move on. That's it. Green peafowl are endangered due to hunting, habitat loss, and poaching. In 1995, there were thought to be between 5,000 and 10,000 individuals in the wild, which sounds like a lot, but it's really not. But now there are protected areas in Thailand, Vietnam, and Indonesia, and it's thought that there may be up to 30,000 green peafowl, which is a lot better, but it's still not great. Yeah, it's not great. If you want to see peacocks up close and personal... They may be at your zoo. They may not be at your zoo. Um, go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Get on the website and find out. Yeah. Give them a call. You never know. <laughs> and there's probably bird sanctuaries in a whole bunch of other places, maybe. You know? You never know. You never know. Yep. Maybe petting zoos might have them. They Although, might. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. That seems to be part of the problem, but we'll talk about it later in the show. <laughs> Well, we are going to talk about peacocks and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after I tell you about Patreon. Hey, Patreon people, if you're listening, thank you so much for supporting us. It's really cool of you to do. If you support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you get early releases, you get uh, bonus stuff in your Patreon feed, like a little video series I do called Paul's Food Box. And every now and then we get some cool stickers made up and you might get a sticker in the mail. If you want that kind of stuff, uh, patreon.com slash varmints. Hey there, everyone. Paul and Don are a couple of nerds just like you. And they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. Well, it's time for pop culture, and there were a couple of different choices I could have made, but you know what? We really do need to talk about internet superstar Goofus yes. the Peacock. <laughs> Goofus the Peacock lives at the Lazy Evaluation Ranch in the Cascadia bioregion. They are a little 
just a little hobby farm of these two individuals who blog about their adventures in their Tumblr blog. The Tumblr blog has an about statement that says it's a daily blog about farm chores, goats, misbehaving, and animal poop located on Salt Spring Island. (laughs) (laughs) Goofus is one of two peacocks that lives um, on their farm. He is a beautiful male peacock. He has a buddy called Gallant who's also living out there with him. But you might know, let me see, this is the most famous post. Here's a picture of Goofus, and we'll, we'll, we'll put the link to their blog in our show notes. There's a link, there's a picture of Goofus just standing there looking pretty happy with himself. And it, this, this post was from five years ago. She says, Today, Goofus the peacock killed a mouse, and instead of eating it right away, decided to wander around the pasture carrying it in his beak. The feral cats always appreciate dead rodent-based performance art, so they followed behind Goofus single file to make a very exciting dead rodent parade. At one point, <laughs> Goofus stopped and put down his rodent, and one of the feral cats dared to sniff at it. And Goofus unleashed the most terrifying honk, something along the lines of, I will end you and everyone you love, and your bones will be forgotten on the frozen earth when I snuff out the sun and sing the stars to darkness. I am the devourer and destroyer of all beings. <laughs> The feral cats, previously unaware of the death of the universe and end of all things, is currently living as a peacock, ran off about 50 miles an hour and hid under the barn for the rest of the day. They didn't even come out at milking time to beg for goat milk, which is a first. (laughs) We should probably not have named the death of the universe and the end of all things Goofus, Goofus. actually. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. (sighs) There's another post. They've got a picture of Goofy, goofy picture. He's just tilting his head. It says, six years ago, Goofus the Peacock thinks... That's the stupidest master plan to take over the world, mwahaha. ...he's ever heard. And he doesn't think much of your terrifying machine of wombat control is even functional. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Goofus is sorry he can't hear you over the sound of how very fancy he is. (laughs) There's just tons and tons and tons of really wonderful, lovely blog posts about their whole farm, not just Goofus. Lots and lots of posts about Goofus, but lots of other posts about their chickens and their goats and their other farm animals. It's just a completely worthwhile place to be. But I warn you, don't go there unless you want to spend all afternoon reading these blog posts, because you're not going anywhere once you settle down. (laughs) You're done. And they also have a Facebook page, so. Oh, they do? Yeah, oh, just dear. make your, I'm telling you, get your coffee or your tea or whatever you have. Make sure your schedule is clear <laughs> and be ready to just sit there and read and just laugh your butt off for about four hours because they are really funny bloggers and the animals are all hilarious, especially Goofus, but they're they're all just characters. So That is awesome. Yeah. Check it out, Lazy Evaluation Ranch on Tumblr and on Facebook. We'll put the links in our show notes. Cool. I love internet superstars i love it when we can talk about them oh yeah they're the best (laughs) just ordinary people's little superstars that go viral it's the best (laughs) well my pop culture pick this week is the following program is brought to you in 
Living Color on NBC. NBC, proud as a peacock. <laughs> the National Broadcasting Company was founded here in the United States in 1926. And because it was 1926, NBC was just a radio station. Within a year of the network's existence, NBC was broadcasting major sporting events. They covered Charles Lindbergh's return to the United States after the first transatlantic flight. Before NBC expanded into television about 20 years later, they did not have a logo. And in 1943, the first logo, which was simply a microphone with the letters NBC on it, was purchased. In 1956, NBC started using the logo that would be the inspiration for most of the logos that NBC has used up until today. This logo, called the NBC Peacock, featured a peacock with brightly colored plumage in five different colors. The reason NBC wanted a brightly colored logo was because by then, NBC was owned by a little company called RCA. RCA was one of the first companies that sold color television sets. And so RCA hoped that by introducing a bright, colorful animated logo at the beginning, like a peacock, of every broadcast, uh, more people would want to upgrade from a black and white TV to a color TV. Mm -hmm. NBC did try different logos other than the peacock. In the late 70s, the NBC logo was just an abstract letter N. Do you remember that one? No. It was. You would know it if you saw it. It's just a big crazy letter N. We studied this in art class and I don't remember any of it. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I'm going to send it to you in N. Oh, yes, I do see it now. Yep, you remember that remember one, it. right? I remember it now, yeah. that's That was crap. It was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah. Really bad. The Peacock's a good logo, dude. Yes. Why would you ever give that up? I don't know. No, I remember all these now because we studied this in design class. So I just completely forgot about the 1970s one. But yeah. Uh, yeah, why would you give up the peacock? That's kind of dumb. I don't know. But in 1979, the network began using the peacock logo again. And over. Yeah, because they were like, it's really cool. Why aren't we using what? it? <laughs> yeah. And they still use it today. And over time, it's just been it's updated and changed and tweaked. And uh, these were very intentional changes. It wasn't just to freshen up the logo and to make it look modern, although that was part of the reason. But starting in 1986, the beak of the peacock faces to the right. And that signifies that the network is looking toward the future rather than back at the past, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. The six feathers of the peacock represent the network's six departments or divisions. So yellow is for news, red is for entertainment, blue is for network, orange is sports, green is productions, and purple is stations. Right. And it's one of the most recognizable logos, at least here in the United States. I think you can just show somebody that peacock and they will know that that is uh, it's NBC. You don't even have to... You don't even have to have the letters NBC there. I think most people here would know, would be able to place that logo. Oh, I think so. And NBC has a streaming service called Peacock. I don't know much about it, but I know that it exists, and I hope it's good. I have messed around with it a little bit, and I'm not impressed so far. All right. Well, there you and go. Only because I'm telling you, it's not that the content's bad. It's that they'll let you like watch a show, and then they're like, well, if you want to watch more, you have to subscribe. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
Would you eat it in a box? Would you eat it with a fox? Would you eat the fox? Would you eat it? What do you think? No. Um, on a side note for this section, I did, I, I wanted to just mention, there's not enough of it to go into, but people used to eat peacocks in the Middle Ages. Fancy people. Like lords and ladies and kings and stuff. Oh, okay. They, yeah, they used to eat them. Because they, the chef would dress the animal with the, the head and the tail and everything to serve at the table to make it look the same as it was in life. Because... <laughs> That's what they liked. They liked pigs' heads on plates and, you know, yeah. fish heads on fish and stuff like that. Um, Bring out but, the roast uh, peacock. <laughs> but apparently it, it doesn't have a great reputation for tasting very good, and there's lots and lots of medieval sources that are like, peacocks are yucky. Just don't even. They don't taste good. So. Well, that's a shame because I was going to say that I would totally eat a peacock. I mean, mm. other than the feathers, what's really the difference between a peacock and a chicken? They probably just don't have enough fat to be tasty, is my guess. That could be. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I would try. I would try. Why not? Mm. Try it once. Just say that you I did mean, it. if somebody served it, I might try it, but. Eh. <laughs> okay. I mean, if it's. Chicken is so good, it's really kind of a waste of time to try all these other birds because thousands of years of humans have been like, chicken is good. Try the chicken. <laughs> We have it for a reason, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we haven't been eating other birds. We surely have. It's like, this is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, Paula Donna. I've been meaning to hello. ask you, is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Yep. Well, let's help mm -hmm. you win that next trivia night. Or just sound smarter than the rest of the room. With the Animal Fact of the Week... Back to you, amigos. <laughs> oh, Donna, why are there peacocks in Florida? Holy cow. Right. Probably because somebody brought them there. Oh, that's, well, let's, that's the show for today, people. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my home state of Florida, there are iguanas, there's monkeys, there's pythons, there's all sorts of animals that are not supposed to be here. And of course, there are peacocks. They can rip shingles off of roofs. They can scratch the paint on your car. They can poop a whole lot, like you heard in the beginning clip. And it's one of those things where either people, they love them or they hate them. Mm -hmm. The source of the peacocks, and it's just a hunch, was a place uh, that opened called the Seville Peacock Farm. And it was a local huh. tourist attraction. We think that the Seville Peacock Farm was where the peacocks came from. <laughs> Just a hunch. Uh, Dr. Eugene H. Pierce acquired what he called the Wild Jungle on Old Tampa Bay in 1882. Uh -huh. He had over 230 acres of grove and oak forest. After a few years, his son planted Seville orange and grapefruit trees on the land. So that's how it got to be, to be called the Seville Peacock Farm. Right. Well, a harsh freeze came, and it killed the grove, and they had to do something with the land that would make them money, so they had peacocks. I couldn't find out where they got the peacocks, but from what I was able to gather, Dr. Pierce just, he just had the peacocks already when he purchased the land. Uh, they were just there, and he decided to breed the birds once the, uh, the orange grove uh, died. Right. 
The Peacock Farm opened in the mid-30s. A little advertisement for the farm says, You can't afford to miss seeing Seville Peacock Farm. The largest collection of peafowl in the world so far as is known. Gorgeous peacocks and native surroundings on a 200-acre orange grove. Birds are in full plumage now. You've never seen such magnificent beauty or so many varieties of peafowl together. <laughs> so he had like several different species or something? I think he had um he had peacocks and he had wild turkeys and he had several other like exotic birds that he kept there. Not just <laughs> the peacocks. Okay. The farm eventually shut down and the land became a shopping center, but the birds stayed put. Uh, there were other people after that in central Florida who kept peacocks. So there was a farm where peacocks were bred for their tail feathers. And in 1940, someone who owned an orange grove were told by an expert at the University of Florida's agricultural extension to buy peacocks to act as a security system. <laughs> Which was great for the peacocks that were already there because that meant like genetic diversity, right? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have peacocks here in Florida. The state of Florida classifies them as feral livestock. So they are the property of whoever owns the land that they are on at the time. Okay. And wildlife removal specialists here in Florida sometimes list peacock removal and relocation as one of their specialties. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How interesting. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, um, they're not a native species, so... Any idea what they do as far as do they damage any of the native wildlife or they just sort of seem to blend in okay or from what I can see they're not invasive they're they're not native mm -hmm. but they just kind of blend in and like a lot of animals here that are non-native they just kind of they blend in they don't really they don't really interfere with native plants or animals they just kind of do their thing well that's good yeah that's useful yeah they're fine. It's nice when that happens, because yeah. when it doesn't, it can be pretty horrible, so. Yeah, very cool. Yep. Very, very cool. So we have got peacocks, we used to. We For my whole entire life, we had peacocks at the Denver Zoo, and now we don't. So the article is called, The Denver Zoo No Longer Has Free-Ranging Peacocks, and I'm titling it, retitling it, This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. <laughs> so. Yep. The article says visitors to the zoo have probably noticed that the grounds are quieter because it's no longer filled with the calls of peafowl. And that's because during the COVID-19 shutdown, the zoo moved the last of its free-roaming peafowl to new homes. Because most zoo visitors enjoyed watching the peafowl or taking photos of them, but a few visitors caused incidents by harassing or feeding the birds. And... Uh. Uh, Sometimes visitors tried to chase the peacocks or pluck their feathers. And by visitors, I think they mean children. No, don't do that. Because I've seen it happen. You know, people just let their kids run like crazy in the zoo. And Ugh. then they're surprised when one of them hops inside a tiger cage or something. They're like, what? We tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Like on The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, yeah, they get pecked or scratched or whatever, but uh, now no more birdies. No more peacocks because people are dumb and stupid and harass the animals, and uh, that makes me really mad. So That stinks. Come on, people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Kiss my butt, 2020. <laughs> it's just like more, more bad news. Like no more peacocks. Oh, thank you very much, 2020. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's why we can't have nice things. I also wanted to add, just as a side note, because we haven't really had a chance to mention it, that I can remember. I'm sorry if I missed it, but um, I thought it would be important to mention that the feathers are just shed. The, the males shed those beautiful feathers at the end of mating season every year. So they don't have to be killed to harvest their fe- feathers. So Yeah. Yeah, if you have a peacock feather, don't feel t- bad about it. Some male just left it behind. You're like, all right, I'm done with that. Yeah. You can take it. Or, yeah. or chased by an eight-year-old at a zoo. <laughs> um, I mean, that would be pretty horrible. Yeah. That, wouldn't, that wouldn't end up in your possession, I wouldn't think. So <laughs> There are farms that have peacocks that just gather up the feathers at the end of the mating season, and they sell them people that make them into stuff so so when i was looking up the conservation information for peacocks what i found was that peacocks are kind of falling out of favorite zoos in general Mm -hmm. uh, because of the poop because they can't really contain them because they they make a lot of little peacocks (laughs) i don't know what year this was but there were 1103 peacocks in 103 113 facilities accredited by the AZA. Mm-hmm. So you can still go to, there's still plenty of zoos to go to where you can see peacocks. But I think like at the Denver Zoo, people are just messing with them and they're they're starting to be kind of a problem. Well, I mean, I we had 40 at the Denver Zoo. Oh, wow. And it only strikes me as that it was a problem because of humans, not because of the birds. Yeah. So they're not aggressive animals. Um, I mean, there's geese on the zoo grounds that will totally try to punch you in the face <laughs> if you just look at them wrong. So, sorry, that's that that's not flying with me. Yeah. I, I've been there. I know peacocks are not aggressive. So the only the only reason somebody's getting pecked or scratched is because they harass the animals. So, but yeah, uh, I. I don't like it. I don't like them taking my peacocks away, but I'm probably just old and I don't like stuff to change. Meh! So. <laughs> Meh! Where are my peacocks? Stupid zoo. They're really Mah. cool to see up close and personal, though. Like, they're so big. Yeah. They're fun. And I like them. And I'm going to miss them. I like them, Bye, too. Bye, peacocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for listening to our show today. This show has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo. Bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by the very talented Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was Carrie McGinnis, Chris Green, Stacey and Frosty, and Justine and Santiago. Yay! It's now time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger who wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. And who do we have today? Today we have Charlotte. Charlotte has something to say about Peacock. Oh, nice. I'm Charlotte Kahn, and I'm from San Diego, and I'm going to tell you about peacocks. Blue peacocks are the most common peacocks probably in the world. And uh, after they mate, their feathers grow, they have to... Their feathers have to grow back. And they sound kind of like this. Wow, that's really good. That's really good. Wow, that's a really good peacock impression. (laughs) And also, 
me and my aunt um, saw a video of this peacock named Edward, and he loved food, and it was he kind of just ran out of the barn, and um, oh yeah, and also when when peahens, which are female peacocks, when they aren't around, the re- the male peacocks show off in front of hedgehogs and squirrels, but I don't really know why, but it's super funny. <laughs> because they can. So, uh, yeah. with When Edward ran out of the barn, it just, <clears throat> he, he just, after he ran, he just stopped and started walking everywhere. And he kept eating seeds. And there, and the YouTuber, I think, her name was Sam. And there was an instructor who was helping her, and she told a lot about Edward. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Charlotte. <laughs> that was amazing. Her her uh, peacock impression was just spot on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Charlotte. That was a really good impression, and I really enjoyed your spot. Yeah, and thank you to Joelle. That is Charlotte's mom. Joelle is the mouse half of Mouse and Weens, which is a really good little discussion podcast of two sisters out in california Mm -hmm. absolutely wonderful podcast so thank you so much check it out thanks everybody again for listening and until next time be nice to animals don't chase peacocks they'll 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 peck you you don't want that (laughs) this has been a transmission of the podfix network for more about this show and other great podfix programs go to podfixnetwork.com